Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, everyone. I am extremely ecstatic. I'm very humbled and grateful and super excited that we are joined today. Um, Veda has been on the show once before, and uh, her appearance was an absolute hit, whether it was for the members initially, and then when it went public, almost, I think, 10,000 views our video got, give or take. And she is now back with us again. So without further ado, she's been up to many, many things. Veda, how are you? Thank you so very much for coming on. And how's everything been? Everything is great. Thank you so much for having me. It's so, so nice to be here with you again. Very grateful. Thank you. Well, if you'd love to, to jump into, uh, we do have some questions from our members, but we'll get to that shortly, I get, perhaps in a more fluid uh, manner of the conversation. But if you'd like to discuss some of the things that you've been up to yourself in the last handful of months, I know we discussed prior to uh, starting the recording that you've been, uh, you know, making appearances, you've been going all over the place meeting many different people. But if there's anything you'd love to start with, by all means. Sure. Well, recently, I just got back from Germany. I also went to England. Uh, I gave a talk when I was in Devon. And Devon is actually uh, the place where my mum was born. And I'd never been there before. So it was very nice to kind of walk around the moors where she used to walk. Uh, and then I flew to Germany because I was a keynote speaker at the annual water conference. In fact, I was the last speaker of the event. And uh, Dr. Gerald Pollack had placed me very, very specifically, I think, to speak at the banquet so uh, I could talk about the work I've been doing, specifically the work that I've been doing for the last four and a half years. Now, you know, I've been working for over nine years in the field of water, but for the last four and a half, I've been working on something called hydroglyphs. That's what I call them. And they are essentially symbols in ice that have layers of meaning. And to say that I have one hydroglyph, I have to have used the same word influence at least 50 times and seen the same image appear. So essentially what we have is the crystallized energy of a word because water doesn't read words, but water absorbs the energy of words. For example, I have some uh, hydroglyphs for the word creation. I have hydroglyphs for the words chemical and pharmaceutical. I have hydroglyphs <clears throat> for the word imagination, for winter, which also means change. Uh, I have, it, it, it's very interesting because I have um, two hydroglyphs which seem really random if you don't know, know their story. And one is pre-Easter and one is post-Easter. And they're interesting because when I was trying to see if water would give us time frames, I used Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all of these kinds of things. And when I'm talking about this, just to give some context for people, so anyone that doesn't know me, um, I'm a water crystallographer and I specialize in photographing ice in a liquid crystal state, the state between molecular chaos and molecular order, between liquid and solid. It's this wonderful fourth phase in between more plasma-like state. It's also called liquid crystal. So um, what I, so what I'm doing is photographing water 
when it is partially frozen. It's in two states. There's liquid on top and ice underneath. It takes only about five minutes. And then I tip away the liquid water and I photograph the ice that's remaining. And what we are seeing is that water communicates in three ways. It will show you a signature pattern. Each type of water has its own pattern. It will show you an artistic expression or it will show you hydroglyphs. So, so coming back to the, the kind of um, days. So I couldn't get anything for days. I didn't get anything for years. I didn't get anything for holidays. I'm like, oh, maybe just water doesn't do time frames, which would obviously kind of make sense. But then a friend of mine, by um, she she uh, is the director of a series called Magical Egypt. And she said, well, why don't you try doing before and after an event? She said, it's kind of like a wedding. She said, you know, there's all this build up, then there's the wedding, and then there's the marriage. So there's a lot more energy on either side quite often of an event. So I thought, oh, that's a good idea. I'll try that. So I started doing uh, before and after various different days. I tried before and after Christmas and all these things. And I've got a, a bunch more to do. But when I, I wrote pre-Easter, I got something that was very clear and it repeated. The image that I got looks like a cross, but from the top to the um, to the right of the cross bar part, there is a line. So it looks like a reversed four. And then the term post-Easter is a cross on its own. And I'm like, oh, why is water showing me before and after Easter as this time frame? Like, what is the significance around that? Right. I was really curious because, I mean, I, I mean, there's a lot I don't know. Uh, but I was watching um, this video that someone shared with me, I don't know, about a month ago. It was about this man who was talking about how we were supposed to have 13 months in our calendar. And how like December actually deck means 10 and um, nove means nine and sept means nine, uh, sept means nine. And I mean, you know what I mean? No, eight. October is eight. November is nine. December is 10. So like, why is it like that? Do right. you see what I mean? It doesn't actually kind of make sense. Um, and so he was saying that the the we have all these 13 months. And he said, and even why when you add the numbers, and you'd be great with this all with your number stuff, but like apparently when you, he showed this diagram about when you add the numbers of a clock together in, in certain ways, they all add up to um, 13. And so it was kind of interesting. And so he's saying that um, it's Easter, which is also based on the moon, Actually, Easter is the day in between all the rest of the months where there's a day of rest. He said it's a day of um, the it, it does it's like its own specific day. It's like between the beginning and the end. So I thought that was really interesting because what's what I'm seeing in the in the crystallography is this before and after Easter aspect. And I'm like, is that because something's going to happen before or after Easter that we need to know this? But but I think there's more to it. And there's always more to it when it comes to hydroglyphs, because the way in which I discovered them 
was that my um, my son had looked at some of Masara Emoto's work, which was very much in contrast. And we know that the science world didn't embrace his work because he, you know, he chose the best pictures to demonstrate what he was trying to say. But when you show things in direct, direct contrast with each other, it can actually be quite difficult for people to really connect because we are so many shades in between the 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 contrasts more often than not and so he saw this um heavy metal versus classical music and he said oh you know mama i i feel like um water must just be hating it in my body because I don't like classical music and, and and I'm not really into heavy metal he said I like rap I want to listen to like Tupac and stuff I'm like he said does that mean the water doesn't like me and I'm like oh my god this is this is not the case at all water is not in judgment I think that the the Maori word um for spirit is is uh wairua which means two waters i think they mean the physical and the spiritual waters and we have both within us and so i think it's the aspect of the spiritual water as the observer um and the observer is not in judgment it is like a witness and so when he was, I was explaining this, but I wanted to prove it to him too. So I did a whole series on um, music and on using different types of music, exposing the water to different songs and then freezing them. And I observed that water likes to um, pick up on words out of songs. And so when I used the song um, Stairway to Heaven, because I did lots and lots of genres, um, I kept seeing this ladder-like glyph appear and I'm like oh what what is that like what's that and then I thought well after seeing it 12 times show up each time after every each each time I played that song I thought what well, I wonder if that means stairway in relation to the song so I wrote the word stairway put my petri dish of water on top of it for 30 seconds removed placed it in the freezer did my technique and I saw the stairway I'm like oh I wonder if I'll do it again so I used a different petri dish did the whole thing again and saw it again and over the course of you know a few months I saw and I did that multiple times more than 50 times and I kept seeing a stairway and then after a while I thought I think this is a symbol for this this meaning of stairway but then I thought well what do you do with a stairway relative to the song and I thought well you you climb up so I wrote the words climb up and I I did the same exact thing and I was able to see that yes the stairway appeared after doing this 50 times using a new set of words and so I started to understand these symbols have many layers of meaning and now I have something like 36 of them, even though, you know, it's, I've been doing this four and a half years to only have 36 doesn't seem like much, but they take so long to actually find and discover and find their layers of meaning. But I have a small team around the world helping me identify their layers of meaning. So we're seeing these symbols in all different kinds of water all around the world from people who, who speak and think in different languages. That is incredible. First, I, I have a couple things I had noted down. I did want to ask you, speaking of this concept, and please tell me if I'm incorrect here, of this center point between uh, opposing ends. Um, I This reminds me personally, and we can uh, you know liken this to many things, but what's been called Hegel's dialectic. So you have a thesis, 
an antithesis, and then you have the synthesis right down the middle. Would you liken that to the way that one could potentially, maybe not literally, but metaphorically describe what you're yeah, discussing here? Oh, yeah, that, that's a wonderful way of, of describing it. Oh, thank you. You oh. know, it's 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 very interesting that because no, I mean, nobody's ever offered that as a suggestion before, but it makes it does make sense. It's a very, um, you know, it's a very curious thing that kind of uh, in between, but it makes sense. There has to be a point where there is space in between time. I was going to say so, like H2O, for example, we have one hydrogen and two oxygen. If we separate them, they make a triangle where the hydrogen goes down the center between the two. Yeah, yeah. Another way, another way I tend to look at H2O, that aspect of it is that um, it's two hydrogens, which are feminine and one large oxygen, which is masculine. And the hydrogen is in the mode of levity and the oxygen is in the mode of gravity, bringing together balance. That is beautiful. I think you, you probably, you definitely worded it better than myself. Um, and if I may say <laughs> to, to yourself and to the audience as well, um, very humbly that with respects to Mr. Emoto's work, I would say uh, not to sound overly conspiratorial here, but one of the reasons it was not uh, quote unquote accepted by the public uh, scientific community in any facet was because it was um, taken into the, the, I guess we could say more classified private realm. Uh, dealing with things like harmonics and being able and light and being able to create that. But with that said, do you find that with respects to the the, the hydroglyphs that the it's not so much the words that are put towards the, the the water as much as it is the intent behind the words? Well, I think that if because it's important to write the word, you are essentially your energy is writing a word. So, but the interesting part is is that we've all written the words and we see that the same symbols um, appear so in different languages as well so it, it's interesting because it does seem separate to this idea that water is responding to our consciousness it's almost as if there is a direct um, understanding or a, not an understanding even that's the wrong word but water seems to actually have a type of um symbolic language of its own of which we it's up to us to figure it out actually i literally feel with hydroglyphs like um you know that movie um oh what's it called um where basically basically this like alien kind of these pods came down to earth and this lady had to okay. go and figure out arrival yes and had to figure out like what their language was based on this kind of like they were like squid things and they squirted this like uh, ink stuff out in certain circles with different patterns and they were trying to figure out the language I feel like that with hydroglyphs I feel literally like it's 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 similar that there's some some similarities to Egyptian hieroglyphs and that that they are um, symbols that were designed to be felt and seen rather than spoken and they are very conceptually complex that's similar 
But, you know, I had this dream once many, many moons ago that I just was so vivid, I, I remembered it, that I was walking through this ice tunnel under Antarctica. And it was, um, and on the, on the sides of the tunnel were hydroglyphs. And so it's interesting because I had that dream, like, God, over 20 years ago or so before I ever even discovered hydroglyphs. So it's just, I don't remember them really specifically in the dream but I do remember them having some similarities to what I'm seeing now so it is um yeah very very curious and interesting phenomenon um but even by saying a, a phenomenon it's it's like suggests that it's kind of random but there's no randomness about hydroglyphs that's why they're so interesting so after I finished speaking at the conference and sh I shared 64 examples of each hydroglyph Dr. Gerald Pollack got up and invited me to put my um, work together as a science paper and offered to publish it. In fact, I've been offered it to be published by three science journals. So um, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that's huge. That's phenomenal. And before we get into that, if, if I may, um, I, I honestly cannot believe and for the audience, this this part of the entire since we started recording was not pre planned, completely fluid. Um, I can't believe you brought up arrival because the symbols in arrival. Um, I have to watch my words here a bit, but they're very similar to certain what's been called context based symbols in the sense that in one particular context, whether in a liquid or some other form, whether with water, um, liquid nitrogen, you name it, they have particular meanings to them in one case, and then the same symbols in another scenario inside or outside of another ring or sub ring, speaking to, you know, vortexes, micro, macro, zooming in, zooming out, have a completely different meaning. Would you find this to be the case in some of your work as well, very context-based? It's interesting. Um, when you say that, immediately the message glyph came up in my mind. The, the message glyph looks like a triangle with kind of frills on the outside of the triangle and then um, like a kind of um, like just this kind of like crisscrossy patterns on the top of it, on the surface of it. Now at the end is really interesting because essentially it looks like the same glyph, but if you start to really look at the very corner at the end, at the tip of each message glyph, I'm seeing some have something and some have a different thing. So at the end of some, I've noticed there's a kind of heart shape at the end of them. At the end of others, it's open, like there's nothing there. And at the end of another one it just looks like it's frills all the way around so it's it's an interesting aspect that I've observed going gosh I think these are different types of messages so like the one with the heart maybe this is an emotional message the next one the one with nothing could be this is more of a physical message perhaps and then the, I think that even within the, there's so much complexity within even the one glyph which we call the message glyph that um yeah I I, I do I and I think that if and also I will I, I'll go on to that and it's fun because I've never talked about this before to anybody is that I often encourage people to freeze um, their urine and look at their urine um, using my crystallographic method. And what we've seen is that sometimes we even get hydroglyphs in the urine. But what I think is that 
using different substances, even though you might see the same symbol, probably has a different aspect of meaning to it. So when you start using different fluids, um, you might see so see different signs um, and hydroglyphs within them. And they have like a different context. But again, this is in its infancy. I literally feel like this little baby trying to figure it all out. It is so conceptually huge. Uh, and I personally want to share with you everything that I've actually got so far to go go through it with you like um, at another time perhaps, but um, or I'm happy to share some of them as well if, um, if you like. But, you know, I, I really feel like someone who has an understanding of things outside of our realm um, will be able to start to comprehend more of the complexity of this water language. I, you'd be more than welcome to, you have the ability to share your screen if you just so happen to have anything uh, ready, you, you're more than welcome. Um, however, before you do, I wanted to bring up what you had said specifically about, uh, you said you noticed at the very tips or edges of the hydroglyphs, there's a difference in the, I guess you could say the meaning or the message that is derived from it, perhaps. Um, and I've, is that correct? That's specific to one hydroglyph, specific to the message glyph. I call it the message glyph, which has a, a triangle. And at the end, at the tip, there is some slight differences. That is, I I can't say much publicly. Uh, we'll, we'll chat after the recording, but that makes perfect sense with respects to even the work that I'm doing. That is so, um, even with respects to the platonic solids, with respects to the pyramids, all of that, I'm, I'm truly, uh, I'm really blown away with the way that our, we haven't spoken in months and the way that our work seems to interconnect. That's phenomenal. Um, but before sharing your, your screen, is there anything with regards to the scientific journals that perhaps if, if you can reveal that you'll be planning to publish in any particular journal in the coming months or weeks? Um well, it won't be in the next weeks because I still have to. Uh, I'm a I'm a researcher, right? So I, I'm not a, I'm not a you know scientist and working in the scientific field. So I just want to make sure people understand that. So I, I am getting there. There have been a numerous scientists that were at the conference offering to help me put it together into a paper, which will then be published. So it's going to be a process. But the first place I'll publish is, is in Jerry Pollack's. Um, publication called Water, um, and it's the Water Journal, and that will be sometime next year. I am filming for a documentary in February, which will take some time as well, so likely it won't be until somewhat towards the end of next year, I would say, um, but I do really want to, um, you know, get that going as soon as possible, because it's extremely important work. I immensely look forward to that, please. I'd love to to stay updated on that. And I look forward to seeing it published when it does get published. And that that that's phenomenal. There's I'm going to be very transparent with yourself and the audience. There are a lot of things that are resonating with me, um, both mentally and intuitively and, and spiritually and by result and definition emotionally that I'm just it's getting me very excited because it has to do with a lot of the work that I'm 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 doing on a on a, a private level. But um, if you'd be more than welcome to share some of the things that you yeah. wanted to, um, to. Yeah, yeah no problem. Um, what I might do is just make that large so that it, I don't have to share my entire 
screen if you don't mind holding sure, on sure. one second I did have some other things presented to present as well um but I'll just get this one up and this is my um okay now let me just get to the beginning of this one and we can share okay and I'll just come out of here and okay right okay now um share screen so what I'm showing you here um is my actual hydroglyph um pdf so you can actually and we're going we'll fly through I fly through some of them you can get it on my website um but it, this is the thing I had the most handy so um, we'll just go with it so this is what I talk about is uh, what is a hydroglyph so the simplified version is they are symbols in ice that have one or more meanings um I really like Victor Schauberger's saying in every drop of water dwells the godhead and so um this is the tree of life this means wholeness now what you're going to be seeing also up here um is I'll just move this over to here is where it says other potential meanings when I say that what I mean is that I have used all those words and seen this symbol appear but I haven't yet done it 50 times so we have some idea of what we're talking about here now this particular tree of life symbol actually has two hydroglyphs it means wholeness but these ovals on either side they also mean lungs and breathe so when we see this symbol here which is essentially the tree of life um, and the lungs its meaning put together to some degree um, really is a breathing wholeness so that's very interesting when it comes to trees if I may say Veda before you go on the I, I very respectfully in addition to the representation of lungs and breathing what all of your images so far that I've seen are describing are the same visuals that, for lack of a better description, um, electron, uh, electromagnetic states occur in, in the laboratory when dealing with what people would call zero-point energy or anti-gravity, believe it or not. It is, I, the symbols are identical. I, wow. no, yeah, yep. Well, we have to talk further about this because maybe you can help me on my project so there's uh, and and this is a a working piece at the moment so I I have identified more meanings for some of them so I'll tell you what they are as we go but over here are 64 examples of the word enlightenment and purity so the two words so um the this was actually discovered by somebody in India who works alongside me and so this is a the one of my not my most new but a very new um hydroglyph that we've discovered so um so that's really really cool means to cleanse um I've also discovered and I don't think I have it up to show anyone but I I'll send it to you and you can share it or however you want to do with it but I it looks like I've discovered the latest hydroglyph which basically is crop circles and we also seem to have a glyph for UFO which is really interesting which lots of people have been seeing recently I'm so Veda I must say as well in addition to that and many other things I'll just bring up one example to relate to what I'm doing in uh specifically with respects to uh particle physics and uh, electrodynamics what all of these symbols are called 
in equation form are uh, based off of what's been called Feynman scattering operators. This is, inc I'm, I'm genuinely blown away. This is phenomenal. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. Like, I seriously need to get you to speak into this for me because I only know it from my artistic representation and what I'm seeing and what I, and, you know, my own organic um, right. inquiry. Um, so this means free energy. It's one of my favorites because it's just so cool. To me, this looks like some kind of Tesla, Tesla's coil in a pyramid shape. It's Zero really point. beautiful. If, if yes. I may ask, um, if you could go back to the previous slide, um, just for the sake of right, yes, there we go. What all of these uh, shapes represent to me personally, in amongst the plethora of other things, is that what we call empty space or the ether are comprised of these particular shapes in in many regards. In my based on my, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's so cool. Um, so magic um, it means like this little magic kind of little. Uh, wand and my daughter because my children are always helping me and I do want to get into something that they taught me which uh, is in relation to healing with liquid crystal but we can talk about this afterwards but um, but my daughter said why don't you use the words abracadabra which in Hebrew mean I will create as I speak so um, you know this this symbol arose so I'm, love I'm, I'm so sorry to stop you every every other minute okay. but that is I can't say publicly what that, my gosh, that, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I forgive me to, to the audience for, for being so vague here, but this is, um, yeah, th this is incredible. This is, I'm trying to think of on the spot a way I could describe it, but this represents in my line of work, uh, what would be called electrical inductance, capacitance, and resistance. So amongst other things, this is incredible. Oh, good. Um, you know, I'm so happy to to hear this feedback from you. Um, this is from uh, the word love. Lots of different shaped hearts, but always in the heart shape. So there are two in here, two hydroglyphs, which are, which are not as clear. So this, I would say, would be one specific to like how these are so very, very clear and similar. The hearts, they look like hearts, but they're not as they're not always the same so it suggests almost that there's a lot of different types of love which i would su suggest is true too <laughs> although there is the overarching and so you know i went the way i understand water to be is very much the um the overarching aspect of things but under with the full understanding of all of the many many drops so water is all of life in so many ways in the way in which it, it forms you know you have the water in the air you have fog you have mist you have liquid water you have raindrops you have dew which is a big thing I, I like talking about at the moment um and there are you know 300 different types of ice that we know about so there is so much complexities in water so I'm I'm kind of really thinking that water is showing us so many different aspects of 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 life full stop those hearts are describing a few different things to me they speak to me in a few different ways first off they speak to me with respects to the way that thank you um the ether can be and i say this word benev with benevolent intention the ether can be manipulated or perturbed in order to essentially use the earth's natural energy 
to repel against it in, in, in order to produce what people have called anti-gravity, but not just this, but this also speaks to um, certain elements within the DNA strand. Um, and I, I can't, basically Veda, I'm, I'm just gonna say it to, to you in the audience, everything that, that your results are describing are what the military would consider um, very advanced stuff in various forms that like this has also to do with something called uh um it opposite charge attraction via um dipolarity that this is incredible i i just i can't thank you enough the this is meaning marriage or a sacred union so it's a very three-dimensional kind of a, a look very metallic um, this is a very interesting, complex glyph. So we use the term living water a lot, uh, or lots of people do. Um, and so it made sense that to see this beautiful hexagonal pattern for the word living um, as a hydroglyph, that kind of made sense. But living and gratitude um, are the most common um, aspects I suppose of this glyph but what was interesting is that I had a man who reached out to me it was a couple of years now ago and he told me that those doctors had only given him a few months to live and can I please ask water what death looked like so I wrote the word death and I kept seeing this living glyph which I'd identified previously and what was interesting is that I did it way more than way more than 50 times because I really wanted to make sure that the living glyph meant death as well. And then it dawned on me halfway through that, yes, of course, um, water doesn't uh, view death in the same way that we do. For water, death is just a transition of life, like liquid to a gas, because water is, and salt, but specific to water, water is one of the only things we see in the world that doesn't die before our eyes in this way. Water always evaporates and is in one of its different states or stages. And that lends me uh, into areas of um, consciousness and the fact that by molecular count we're 99% water and if you pardon the pun you boil it down we are water salts minerals and consciousness and salt even when you put salt into water and it loses its cubic bonds but it creates this uh, kind of new type of energy water which is that liquid crystal so it has an elect slight electrical charge to it of which we are made up of um, when you let the water evaporate, the salts will still be there. So they don't die either. Even when you cremate someone's body, the ashes that remain are salts. So we are made of these interesting kind of immortals in many ways, these aspects of immortality that we haven't really identified with, or some of us haven't anyway. So for water to show that this glyph means both living and death, is very very powerful actually i think if i may um, say what you are showing what you just showed there whether in optics chemistry uh, uh, electrodynamics physics particle physics you're describing what's called um uh, james maxwell's quaternions 
I, right. I, I, I'm so happy that there's other words for these things because you know just you're so brilliant and I'm so glad that you're able to share with us because it's helpful for me too um so Thanks. also just so people know is that I've I've I think we can learn a lot from things in nature so what I've done why there's a shark's tooth there is that I'm looking for things in nature that that remind me of these glyphs in some way and so there's been only one thing I haven't been able to find in nature that looks, uh, but maybe there's something I just don't know about yet. But so this is that message glyph that I uh, was talking to you about. Now, hopefully this quality uh, isn't too bad. So this message glyph doesn't have anything at the end. Okay, so if we zoom in over here and look at some with some hearts um i think so we go here so here this one's got this heart shape where are the others um this one's got the little heart shape here then we've got um where are we there's another heart here another kind of one here another one there and that looks like it just melted a bit but that looked like it was going to be one and then we kind of look at areas like uh, there's another heart here and then you have some that don't have any like this is just like an open bit here and then um where are we sometimes they kind of look like three aspects here um so and this has got more of an interesting triangle but but on the whole sometimes they're just like a frill all the way around sometimes there's this open space so you know it's very very interesting when you look at even even and then to make it even more complex what's on top like they have some similarities but they are different and so it's like oh my god where do I start with the message glyph because you know this is all about communication this is one of the most important glyphs I think I have because this is so complex in its um, presentation here. You're, you're also showing in my line of work what's been called longitudinal phase coherence. In this, in all, I, I, I really need to get you on a, a call so we can just go over all of this and you can explain them because this is, a, like I said, very helpful for me. Um, so here we go to that reversed four, the pre and post Easter. So what I'm talking about is this line that goes from the top to the side, and it's very interesting um, because when and this, so I wasn't able to find anything in nature that did this kind of reversed four. So I have a private Facebook group um, called the Secret Intelligence of Water CMP Lab. It's only for people that are actively using my technique. And if you don't have my technique or and aren't using um, using it, then I, I keep it very private. It specifically is for those people. Um, someone in that group sent me this photo up here, um, which is the Gildry reversed four symbol, which was a symbol um, that was put into a lot of stained glass windows, which is the kind of sign of a specific people who did a lot of this carpentry or a lot of this glass work. I thought that was extremely interesting. But when I did um, 
post Easter, we have the cross on its own. And what was interesting is when I'm looking for things in nature, I found this really amazing kind of plant flower thing. And I wasn't even sure if it was real. But when I showed it to my private group, um, the guy in India said, there's, there's thousands of them everywhere in India. It's a special plant that grows um, in India, probably in other places, but not in New Zealand. But I found it fascinating. This, I, I, I don't mean to keep every slide, but this is also in my line of work, what's called uh, quantum interference. Mm, this is incredible. Yeah. This is incredible. Um, so here we have the empty star, which means imagination. And so sometimes you might have two or three of them in one dish. And so then it's more around uh, understanding is this multiple things that I am imagining or thinking about, or maybe it's two people thinking about the same thing. So the this is also very interesting. Um, two ferns coming together, one is big and one is small, means friends. Um, the money glyph is a really interesting one, and it always brings up stuff for people, as money can do sometimes. Um, it's a shape of a coin. It's very three-dimensional, and it's very metallic looking, and it's hard to not see in your dish. Um, my dishes are uh, nine to ten centimeters in diameter, so they're pretty, like the size of my hand. They're not small, so... Um, and the this coin glyph is literally the size of a coin of a reg, regular kind of uh, coin. So it's very interesting because when I've, I've used the word money, but I've also used the word abundance. And of course, um, I think there's always going to be someone who says something. So one person said on my social media, oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, if water is so intelligent, it's been around for so long and it's this and it's that. Why on earth is it going to show a symbol for money? It's the root of all evil. And I thought, well, you know, really a coin has no value if we don't put value on it. So money has been shells, money has been like rocks, money has been is gold, money is all kinds of things. But also you have to look at the symbology of why water is showing us a coin for the word or the energy uh, of the word money. And so it's not about um, trying to understand this with our logical minds. It's more about unlearning and starting going into um, the intelligence of our um, intelligent water within us, our intu intuition, like our heart knowing of what these symbols, when we see them, what they speak, they speak to us. Like the saying, a picture speaks a thousand words is very true. And I found that water has a lot to say in very complex ways. So if you think that we've been flicking coins into wishing wells since God only knows when, and it seems to have been something we, we do even without having been taught it. There was a small study done on some uh, children who were under five years old and I think around four and a half just before they started school and um, the study it was it was very very uh, small they used only about five children but they put a child into a room and the only thing in the room was a, um, a moving kind of water feature 
um, with a big bowl of water in the middle where the fountain kind of moved it, the water around. And they were given a coin as payment for the experiment before they went in. And they were basically told to go into the room for, you know, I think it was something like 10 minutes and, um, and just be in there, look around, do what they wanted for 10 minutes. And so they were observed by this, these people doing the study. And what they did was that each child, every single one, boys and girls alike, um, who had not been taught. So they, the parents were screened beforehand to ask and asked if they'd ever taught the children about wishing wells before or anything like that. Um, and for the most part, a lot of the people doing the study uh, were um, Christian and they weren't so superstitious um, either. So the children, I'm just going to shut the door because there's somebody um, doing something out there and it's sure, making no a lot of Um, so it was it was kind of interesting because the um, the children when they went into the room um, kind of just they looked at the water all of them played with the water with their hands and then they would look out the window and then they'd come back and they'd just kind of sit down and then they'd be fidgeting and then they would end up all of them picking the coin out of their pocket and flicking it into the water and taking it out and doing it again. And when asked afterwards why they did it, they they said they didn't know. And so it's a very, very interesting little phenomena that we intuitively like to flick coins into water. So it could well be that there is something far even more important around that kind of idea um, than we may be aware of. And so it might have been happening even with a round object that or a disc shape that had nothing specific um, to money as we know it today so money very likely also means a value I would say so I often suggest to people when they see this that's like are you valuing yourself um, you know how does why is this coming up for you um, I don't know that this is like um some kind of I don't I, this doesn't resonate for me as something like that is like a fortune telling kind of a thing I think this is more sharing wisdom and it's very intelligent wisdom so I need to tell you this I think you'll find it interesting when I asked water prior to freezing what is a hydroglyph it answered me in two hydroglyphs living message I thought that was very powerful to remember and know so um your, if I may say, oh my gosh, even this too, but the one prior as well with respects to the coins and forgive me with the utmost humility to yourself and, and to the audience as well. Uh, what I'm about to say probably won't make much sense to, 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 to those not familiar, but what you're describing in all of your photos here, again, in, in my line of work with respects to things like gravity and the ether and all of that is what would be called um, integro relativistic Lorentz Dirac equation without runaways and I know that's like what the heck but this is this speaks to me on so many levels I'm very I'm extremely grateful for the work that you do this is phenomenal oh I'm I'm very grateful for you too so uh the winter tree means change but it also means winter I've I've I can put that up there now I love this it's very specific and unique um the empty circle means completion the uh, joined circles mean conception, 
It's quite interesting, actually, because I had a woman on my beginners workshop because I teach people how to do this work. And um, we, we, I keep the, those ones small so I can interact with everyone and we all show our uh, crystallography. And she got this one and I said, you know, it means conception. That could be conceived conception of an idea. It could mean that you're preg a pregnancy. You know, it could mean multiple things. I'm still learning, as you know. Uh, but she actually did a pregnancy test three hours afterwards um, because she was her period was late and she found out she was actually pregnant. So that was really interesting. Um, when there's like a bunch of circles together like this, it means multiplication or to multiply. Uh, it's interesting because for a period of time um, on my private uh, Facebook group, um, there was a, a group of people that were getting this glyph for a whole week. And we all were starting to get the same glyph and it was like leading up to a full moon, which was interesting. And then it just stopped after the full moon. So that was another phenomenon. I mean, there's, there's so many, as more people learn how to do this, as more people identify them and help me, the more we're going to know, you know, that's why I'm, I'm on such a mission to teach people my work because I can't do this all by myself. Um, the decorative star means electrical charge. It also means salt. I do need to move the potential meaning up. Now, what's interesting about this is that you will see this glyph in different substances. So you might even see this in urine. So I did a study where I tracked my cycle for two months. And in the mid-cycle during the uh, fertile stage, um, this came up as well. Sorry, can you... Um, please click on it because so what's interesting about this one is that um, yeah I, I basically see saw this um, in the area of my mid-cycle when you're using urine so it showed up during a kind of fertile time which was interesting so I've seen this image also in salt water and seawater so it, it makes sense that it also means salt so it's extremely complex, very interesting aspect um, I found of uh, water's way of communicating. Um, but there are so many more, but I'll just kind of leave it at that so you can kind of get some idea of like what I've been talking about and I'll share the whole thing with you because I could talk for five hours just on that topic. <laughs> this is your, your work. I just want to thank you so much for the work that you've been doing and continue to do because it is absolutely not just in my line of work, but with respects to, I know this is a bold statement, but to understanding life, I would say that this it's vital and, and fundamental. So I know we'll talk more after the recording, but if there's anything I can do to um, assist in, in uh, bringing this message more out to others, whether in the academic community or, or otherwise, I'd be more than happy that this is that's phenomenal. I'm, I'm genuinely I'm gonna, blown away. That was great. I'm going to take you up on that. So we can talk about that afterwards. Sure. Thank you. Um, I do have some questions as we discussed from some of our Patreon uh, supporters. Now, I do want to say to our Patreon supporters that some of the questions in which some of you uh, very graciously asked have already been answered just in our conversation already. So I will get to the ones that have not been uh, addressed. Um, with respects to uh, Tom, he asks, uh, Tom, forgive me, my friend, uh, it's a bit of a long question, so I'm going to paraphrase it here. Are you seeing a change in speed, depth, response, or expression over the years with varying uh, 
initial salinity in the water or by making certain adjustments or perturbations over, I, I presume, over a long period of time? Okay, so, I mean, he's talking about salinity in water. So how salty it is. Am I seeing it to be more salty? I, I believe so. I could, I believe so. Let me actually, one quick second to see here, just to search it up very quickly. Yes, the concentration of salts. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, well, I haven't been um, testing, test having them tested, all my samples tested all the time. Um, so I don't know if I can answer that question entirely. Um, but what I do, what I will say about that aspect is that I believe that it is the salts and minerals in water that actually help the water to store information. So I do not see imagery as complex as what I've, I'm showing you now um, or in any of my work using distilled water. I think the aspect um, of the, the, the two types of water really relate into also um, the, the salt. So I think of water um, uh, as a spiritual aspect and a physical aspect. So one of the reasons I like to use spring water, for example, is because it has that <clears throat> the dissolves minerals and salts. And whereas, and so that's kind of making it an active participant, whereas the distilled water is more of just observing, watching, it's not doing. So um, it's not probably the answer he's looking for, but it has some relation, I think. Hopefully. That's phenomenal. Thank you, because that actually that actually indirectly answers um, a question from our friend here, Lewis, who says, uh, do the thoughts being put towards the water have to be conscious? And I would imagine he's implying, uh, because I, I know Lewis fairly well, um, with respects to does one have to sort of similar to when one is exercising, feel the muscle that or feel in this case, the message being put towards the water instead of just going through the motions. I'm really glad he brought that up because it lends into um, something that I've discovered in the last six months, which I've been sharing a lot about. So there was a Russian scientist slash psychiatrist by the name of Gennady Krokolev. Now, he was working with psychiatric patients who were having hallucinations. And for 20 years, he was in this field of in line of work. And what he was wanting to see was whether or not what they were seeing could somehow be captured on camera. So what he did was he got these kind of strange goggles, right, and took the lenses out. And he used a old-fashioned Zenith black and white camera, which has this box thing that comes out. And he attached the box to the goggles. And as his patients were seeing things he would click the camera and um he he worked with over 200 patients and somewhere around 117 of them he showed them the photos afterwards and they were able to say this is what i'm seeing and this was repeated within the last 10 years by more russian scientists except rather than using psychiatric patients they used someone who was known very well for her rem remote viewing skills and so what they did was stood behind a wall and held up numbers and shapes and as she tuned in in her mind's eye 
to the numbers or shapes that they were holding up that she couldn't see, but as she was tuning into them, um, they were actually able to capture them on camera. I can show you these pictures if you like. Sure, ab absolutely. I know we don't have a lot of time, but... Um... Oh, no worries, no worries. Um, to tell you the truth, there may be two, uh, I would say probably two more questions, and then the rest were uh, directly essentially answered just by our conversation already, so... Okay. Um, now, how do I get... There we go. Can you see this, or are yes. you still on hydroglyphs? Yeah, I can see this, yes. Okay, so this is what... Gen this is Genity doing the thing with the patient. These are some of the black and white photos. He's photographing their retinas. So this is an important part. So he had this concept that either A, the brain, information in the brain is basically sending that information and then the retina is creating that information into picture form and projecting it like a holograph or there or and there is a secondary layer of consciousness like a secondary realm that he's actually picking up on and this is from the scientists and using the remote viewer so and if i can just say i very strongly agree with this particular scientist's hypothesis and and um, perspectives on that that directly correlates again with with my work and it is like synergetic so i fully agree absolutely so to answer his question, though, what's interesting in my work is that you do not have to be having a very, very strong thought specifically. Water is way more interested in what you're feeling than what you're thinking. And it is wild and it will do what it wants. It will show you what you need to know, not what you want to know. And so one of the most important, which is why water has become like a spiritual teacher for me, is that I have to go in with no expectation. I actually am realizing I'm working with what, what appears to be a kind of intelligence, an intelligent being, and it will not work, it will not design in the mode of frustration or anger, it just won't play in that field, it doesn't resonate at a lower frequency, which is why I think it is one of the most powerful substances to be working with, because we're only going to be working in the area of um light shall we say and another aspect i will bring up that i don't think i knew even when we um talked last was that i've managed to take photos as water's freezing um the the little ice shoots and um around the ice shoots there is like projected light it looks like a halo and i started to realize of course water is mostly photons and so I actually think it is the light that is paving the way for the design of the water. Now, I spoke to an indigenous woman and she told me that she could communicate to bees. Now, I actually shared this at the annual water conference and I was a little nervous because it was a bunch of physicists and scientists and biologists. And I'm like, but when I, when I finished the story, you'll realize why they had a kind of a aha moment. So she said that a bee, she would watch the bees for long periods of time, watch them, their hives. And a bee communicated to her. It said, please, we don't mind you watching us, but don't watch us for too long because your conscious expression is putting too much light in the hive and we like it to be darker. I, I can't believe. 
this makes perfect sense. And and I, I, this is, first off, it's blowing me away with respects to how this is where actually I would dare to say our fields of work differ with respects to in in my line of work one can uh, for lack of a better term manipulate certain mechanisms or otherwise to develop something whereas in your field of work it the 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 water uh, literally shows you what is meant for dare I say and correct me if I'm wrong what you personally uh, perhaps would need to observe or um, understand the most or absorb the most in your personal life perhaps Perhaps, but it also, you don't know what it's going to do. Like in all of my work, I have to retain a very neutral position or just a a position of curiosity because it it is literally holding you to a certain amount of integrity within yourself. And it is a relationship based on mutual love and respect. And so that's one of the interesting parts is that we are still in the mode of experimentation and water is teaching us something. And I think what it's certainly teaching me and many other people, because if it doesn't do what you want, you realize that you have been to try, you have control stuff going on and we all like to control the world to make it feel safe. And so what's interesting is water is slowly, slowly taking us out of fear rather than putting us in it by forcing us to let go of some of this control that we're trying to do. In fact, you know, what we're really seeing is is a high level of um, kind of pure intelligence. There's a purity in this line of work, which I, 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 I am constantly reminded of and amazed by. And the moment we go into the mindset of experimentation, and it, it's almost like that's not the mode that water really likes to uh, communicate in. So it's not just that it's interested in us and that we're interested in it, but it's actually also that it will share information about itself. It will show you what's in it. So often we'll see the chemical glyph in water because it's got chemicals in it. We'll see the, the actual pattern and line in which it went through the municipal system there's all kinds of things that will share about where it's come from too if, if i may say and i don't mean to speak on everyone on behalf of in, in my line of work but there are many individuals whom i'm of the humble perspective that it's interesting in my line of work the more spiritually oriented scientists seem to be the ones with the more uh successful results in many of their their mechanisms but um to this is where I think your line of work is something that my people in my field could really learn from in, in a humble perspective, which is that people in, in my line of work um, need to stop trying to force things to happen and just let it happen naturally. Um, too many, uh, to your point, too many people in my line of work, they're in the lab going very artificially, if you will, not alchemically, but more nuts and bolts saying, oh, we got to make it this and we have to do that. Whereas I really respect the way your line of work is very fluid in the sense that there are truly no expectations and what the result is, is what it is. Well, the interesting part for science though, is that there is a lot of repeatability when you start using words. So this language part, water I think could easily be the mouthpiece for nature. Mm. And I and I feel like this this the symbology 
it's it's very very interesting and the fact that we can see it you know reoccur the times where I don't see anything is if I'm I'm just over it the day's been a long day and I and I'm trying to just get some more crystallography done so my energy is not right but if I'm really dehydrated or if I'm dehydrated I won't it work it won't work so there is a interesting link there um, so yeah. there, there's a lot of interesting pieces, but I do think there is a, there is a, I think true science and I emphasis on true science right. should overlay beautifully with ancient wisdom and conscious, this idea of conscious expression. So I, I feel that actually there is an interweave um, and an overlay when things are simple and true. I could not agree more. And forgive me to my uh, Patreon supporters in which I was not able to ask your questions directly. For example, uh, Martha had asked uh, sending messages via water, water using intent and such. Um, however, uh, I do believe we touched on that quite extensively. Uh, Martha, forgive me, next time that Veda comes on, I promise uh, I will address all the questions that I did not get to even from our other supporters. But uh, the final question from our great uh, friend and supporter, either Carrie or Kier, forgive me, um, asks, I'd like to hear more about Veda's connection to the mermaids and uh, what the, um, Maori tribe, forgive me if I mispronounce that, her father is from. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're Tainui, we're the Tainui tribe, and um, my uh, my little other tribe, so there's sub-tribes, um, uh, is at Port Waikato, and it's um, uh, called Ngāti Pau, so uh, that's that area. Um, so um, can you just, re just, just remind me of the very first question? Oh, is sure, the, no, the, no problem. No problem. About Oh, the mermaids. <laughs> well, actually, you know, it's it's interesting. I've just I, I laugh slightly just because I've been invited to be part of a documentary, literally about about mer people, um, and I'm assuming that uh, she's probably saw your last our last conversation, of which I just don't normally share at all. So, um, you know, it, I found it interesting that of late. There's some pretty big movies come out. Uh, Avatar, The Way of Water, and um, Wakanda has come out, and it's all about these people living in the water as well. Um, I'm starting to think that next year, more and more, um, I I would like to start reconnecting in that way and reconnecting back towards more towards the sea, um, so far as uh studying studying it um really actually having the courage to go back in it after having um had my experience um because i feel like uh, there's definitely a, a calling in that way and i feel that the the hydroglyphs could well be a, a kind of language of those people and uh, it could, it, it's possible, I, or something at least they understand. Um, so in that respect, you know, I, I, I don't quite know what she wants to know specifically, but maybe that's a, a little bit of an answer anyway. 
Sure. Well, with that said, I really do appreciate it. And I'm extremely, as I said from the beginning, even more so now, uh, because of the the correlations I've been able to make with my field and not just correlations, but even more importantly, the differences in my view, because the differences are where people like myself can learn from your line of work. So um, with that said, though, uh, we'll, we'll talk more, uh, of course, um, after the recording. But if you would like to tell uh, your uh, my audience, excuse me, where and how you could be found any class you offer or anything like this sure um well i don't know when this is going to be aired um but if it's after the 3rd of december then uh, my next beginners workshop in america is on the 10th of december and it might be my last one of the year it's, i think it's nearly booked out but um and i have my masterclass coming up on the 3rd of december which is for you it's on your saturday coming up but again this might not be this might be all over by then but um, this will go up for the members um, as early as today and then for the public um, in the coming uh, coming days. Well, hopefully, if your members see it and, and are inspired, then the uh, masterclass is a five hour marathon class um, and it begins at 1 p.m. Um, on the 3rd of December. And I am sharing all of my studies. I get into a lot of the areas I've touched on today, but many, many, many more. I have um, a few guest speakers on. I have Dr. Gerald Pollack coming on. And it's interesting because he's sharing about how fourth phase water can become a solid at room temperature. And he's talking about the importance of light and talking about a study done on um, a yogi who was a breatharian. He talks about obviously fourth phase water, like what is it? What is structured water? Um, and uh, various other really interesting things. And then I've got a very interesting man who is Harvard trained. He's a doctor by the name of Dr. Mauro Zapatera. And he, his specialty is on the, um, the CFS, the spinal fluid. And he's saying that he believes that the spinal fluid is actually the portal to cosmic consciousness. And I'm really excited to hear what he has to say and share. And lastly, I have a very dear friend of mine. Her name is Venice McNeil. Her and her husband um, were the directors of the series Magical Egypt. And she's going to be sharing about how the ancient Egyptians had a science of spirituality, a science of consciousness of which they kind of kept and hid in their architecture and in their art. And we'll also be sharing how they, their understanding of DMT and the retina fluids like I share a lot of this, the, the work I've done using different bodily fluids um, and I also talk about in relation to both uh, Dr. Zapatera and Venice um, how the movement of the spiritual water if you will is able to move up through the spine and go into like Brahma's cave or this kind of goal this relates into Kundalini movement um, and also about um, how we are able to um, kind of 
use this idea that there is the water in the air is attracted to our electrical field, our electrical touch, uh, I mean, field. And that gives us a kind of energy web where we can feel energy and also give off energy. And I talk about, um, so it's an R18. Actually, my, my, my thing is R18 because of some of the content I, I share, which is also beautiful and amazing. But it does go into some more intimate areas. Um, and so if you consider that conception is all about fluids working together and um, an intimacy about even our saliva, when we're on the fence like about somebody and we're like, mm, I think I think I like them. But that first kiss will tell you all you need to know about whether you want to be physical with that person. There is an intelligence within our saliva that it, it, it picks up on but um, also around this kind of patterning outside of the body that we have, everyone's electrical charge will be different, creating a certain pattern or a field around us. And so when we meet someone, we have that lightning bolt, oh my God, I, this is love at first sight. It's usually because the patterns match and part of falling or gain, walking up in love is more around learning to match the energetic patterns of a loved one. In this field so this twin flames is more like twin patterns and so we get into a lot of stuff in relation to that i share photos that i can't share on social media um as well in the in the area that is called is water watching us so um so wow. yeah it's really really i i mean i only do two or three a year so this is the finale of 2022 so um it's just about sold out. So, you know, if, if anyone wants to hop on, you can go to my website, vedaaustin.com, go to the workshops tab, it'll be there. People can learn my technique um, on there. They can just go to the shop and learn it there. Um, I recommend if people just really only want to learn it, that they come on my beginner's workshop. Because even though I don't say it, I always give everyone on my beginner's workshop my step-by-step -step guide and my hydroglyph PDF um, as a bonus. Wow, that's incredible. Well, I will be sure to put both in the description of for my members and for when it goes public, uh, your website. And I take it that everything can be found there? Yeah. Also, um, Instagram is VaderAustin underscore water. And uh, Facebook is Veda Austin at Water Researcher. Well, Veda, thank you so very much again from the bottom of my heart, truly. This has been incredible. And we will catch all of you next time for those watching or listening. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much.